This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I saw movement and my heart stopped. The man came back down the path, out into the street, and was looking around, looking for me. I suddenly felt this very strong, very intense fear. It was different than any type of fear I have ever felt. I tell him quietly I need to get out of the car, but he proceeds to start driving out of the parking lot and now I'm shitting bricks. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Territory Foods for supporting Disturbed. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, ready-to-eat meals. To save $75 across your first three orders and get free shipping, go to TerritoryFoods.com and use promo code DISTURBED. Thanks also to Native. Native makes safe, simple, effective products that people use every day with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. Get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeo.com slash disturbed or using promo code disturbed at checkout. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. We're back after a week off for Thanksgiving. Today, I'm bringing you five true horrifying tales that are sure to keep you up at night. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Rummelrocks, featuring voice work by Tanya E.B. And it's that gut feeling that you need to rely on. So this is a story from around 10 years ago. I was 16, 17 at the time, but I recently discovered this sub and it instantly brought these memories flooding back to me. At the time, I kind of just brushed it off because nothing bad ended up happening to me and put it down to, I guess shit just happens to you when you are a woman walking alone at night. But looking back now, I realize how creepy it really was. I was coming home on my own on a Thursday night after being out at a pub with some friends. We had been out a little more centrally in the city, so I had to take a bus on my own to get home to my residential neighborhood. I had done this route hundreds of times, so I didn't see it as being particularly dangerous especially as I live in a fairly nice neighborhood. It was only about 11 p.m., but because I lived in a residential area and it was the middle of the working week, when I got off the bus at my stop, it was absolutely dead and there was no one around. Again, this didn't spook me, particularly as it is only about a five or 10 minute walk from the bus stop to my house. As I turned down a long residential street that leads towards my house, I noticed a guy walking further down the street. This put me a little on edge, but I was reassured by the fact that he had his back to me and was walking away from me down the street. As I kept walking down the street, I noticed the guy turned around and clocked me. That's fine, I thought. I always turn around when I hear someone walking behind me at night, so nothing weird about that. But I noticed as we got further and further down the street, he kept doing it. 
kept checking, I was still walking in the same direction as him. At this point, I'm starting to get pretty freaked out, particularly as I am painfully aware that we are the only two people around. Just as I was weighing up what I should do, he turned down the path of one of the houses to our right, and I breathed a sigh of relief. He is going into his house. I was just being paranoid the whole time. The houses in my area are terraced, with the front doors being kind of embedded into an enclave at the front of the house. What this means is that from where I was standing, about 50 feet away, I couldn't actually see the front door of the house, as it was obscured by the wall. However, I saw him walk down the path and disappear into the front door enclave, so my logical conclusion was that he was letting himself into his house. I can't describe exactly what made me feel like this, but after that initial feeling of relief wore off, I suddenly got this really bad feeling, so I stopped walking and just stood there. There was this tiny voice in my head that said, what if he is just faking you out? That feeling became so strong that I stepped off the pavement and ducked down behind a parked car and just waited. After a couple of minutes of crouching behind the car, staring at the house, I saw movement and my heart stopped. The man came back down the path, out into the street, and was looking around, looking for me. He must have been waiting for me in the doorway, knowing that if I kept walking, I wouldn't see him until it was too late. Unfortunately for him, his hiding place also meant that he couldn't see me. So when I didn't walk past as he anticipated, he had to come back out into the street to try and work out where I was. Looking back now, I probably should have called the police at this point, but as a scared teenager, my fight or flight brain took over and I sprinted down one of the roads running perpendicular to the street that we were on as I knew I could use it to take a slightly longer route home. I didn't stop running until I got home where I quickly double locked the door behind me. Amazingly, I didn't even think to wake anyone in my family up. I literally just went to bed and then woke up the next morning and went to school. I dread to think what would have happened if I hadn't just suddenly got a bad feeling and stopped walking. Part of me thinks that on some subconscious level, my brain must have registered not hearing the front door shut after the man had approached it and therefore triggered an alarm in my head. But I had no perception of this at the time. Lesson learned, trust your gut. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Next up, we have an email submission from Matt, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we have a surprise run-in with a doppelganger. This happened just one week ago, and this is the first time I've told this story in its entirety. I work as a boiler operator at a small lumberyard. The job is great, pays well, and most of the time I'm the only person at the entire property since they don't run a second shift production. So I just make sure that the boiler stays lit, and I walk the property every hour just to make sure nobody's here fucking around or anything. As far as boiler operators go, there are six of us here, and we all know each other pretty well. And one of the other guys is Jake. He's a little younger than I am, but he's a good dude. He lives less than a mile from where we work, and he often borrows tools from the maintenance shop here. So when I thought I saw him that day, it wasn't anything unusual. I was down here at the boiler room, which is in a separate building from the plant itself. I was just standing around as I normally am, 
playing a game on my phone or trying to find something to listen to. I looked up, and about 200-225 yards away, I see Jake. He's got long hair that goes halfway down his back, and he always wears the same Baltimore Orioles hat. So even though he's pretty far away, I knew immediately that it was him. And what was strange, though, is that he was walking away from me and not facing me. Now, that's strange because he would either have to drive or walk past me to get to where he was. And I didn't notice him doing that, and I didn't see his truck. And I just chalked that up to me not being very observant. I yelled out to him, Jake, nothing. And he kept walking, so I, I yelled again, louder this time, Yo, Jake! And he didn't turn around, though, he just stopped walking. His hands were at his side. I must have just stared at him just standing there motionless for at least a full 60 seconds before I decided to call him. I, I pull him up from my contacts and hit call. It starts ringing and he still isn't moving. Rings three times, and right when I think the voicemail is about to kick on, he answered. Hey, what's up, dude? I suddenly felt this very strong, very intense fear. I was different than any type of fear I have ever felt. I was looking at him. He did not move an inch, both hands perfectly still at his side. And on the phone, I, I could hear people in the background. After what felt like forever, I finally found the words. Where are you, man? I'm with my girlfriend at her family reunion. That's when it happened. The second he finished that sentence, whatever this thing was turned its head at an inhuman-like speed. Its body did not move, just its head. There was no face. No eyes, no nose, no mouth. It looked like what I can only describe as a television static. Like, like on the old TVs when the cable went out. Just a distorted black and grayish jumble of nothing. As soon as I registered what the fuck was happening, I dropped my phone and my hands flew up to cover my mouth as I let out what I think might have been the first real gasp that I've ever made. I saw it. Something made me look away. I closed my eyes and jerked my head to the side, terrified. I was instantly shook. My hands were shaking as I picked my phone back up. Jake was still on the line. I got my phone and took a deep, staggering breath as I looked back up to where that thing was. But of course, it was gone. Just gone. I uh, made up some random bullshit question about the boiler to Jake. He answered it and I hung up. I was absolutely petrified, but I had to go where I saw it. I walked up there and looked for footprints. That whole area is a very dry, very dusty area. And this thing was there just minutes before. There were no prints at all. But the air felt thick. It felt like I was being watched while I was standing there. I felt very unwelcome. So after some research, I'm absolutely convinced that I saw my co-worker's doppelganger, but for whatever reason, it didn't want me to see him, I feel. Like I said, this is the first time I've told this story, but it's literally all that I think about. I've had nightmares every night since seeing it, just reliving what happened over and over again. Hands down, the scariest shit I've ever seen. Disturbed is brought to you by Territory Foods, and I gotta say, this is something I've recently discovered, and I can't tell you how convenient it is. Territory is a chef-driven marketplace of meals that are sustainably sourced, nutritionally dense, 
And the part that I like most? They're ready in just 90 seconds or less. You can forget all that annoying shopping and meal prep time. No, these meals are made for ease and convenience and they taste great. Territory uses only healthy fats, clean proteins, and lots of sustainably harvested seasonal produce. High quality ingredients that your body will thank you for. You won't need to worry about gluten, inflammatory oils, dairy, or refined sugar because the entire menu is free and clear of all of those. The meals are delivered twice a week, so it's always fresh, and Territory is now available in most major U.S. cities. We are smack dab in the holiday season, and Territory makes a great gift. I just sent a pack of meals to a friend in Florida, and he was really surprised at how great they tasted, and his favorite part was having meals ready to eat so quickly. Several different options are available, including Mediterranean, Whole30, Paleo, Vegan, Keto-friendly, and more. You can even pause or cancel your meals at any time. So here's the deal. To save $75 across your first three orders, plus free shipping, go to TerritoryFoods.com and use the promo code DISTURBED. That's $75 you can save across your first three orders, along with free shipping, by going to TerritoryFoods.com with the promo code DISTURBED. And as always, supporting our sponsors helps support the podcast. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Up next is an email submission from Natanya, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel. And we attempt to survive an abduction. This happened to me my last year of high school. I was way into my rebellious stage and was on a downward spiral. So at this time, I was 19. I had just moved out of my parents' house because I thought I knew everything, and I did what I wanted. Long story short, I got the, if you don't like my rules, then you can leave line from my parents. So that's what I did. I had become close friends with a girl I had met in high school, and her mom was nice enough to let me stay with them. At the time, I was dating my first serious boyfriend, and he was my first love. So, you can imagine my heartbreak when I found out he had cheated on me with one of my friends. Everybody at school knew. I was beyond embarrassed, and it felt like I was the butt of everyone's joke. I fell into a deep depression. I already had severely low self-esteem and crippling anxiety. Anyway, this started a string of horrible decisions on my part like getting back together with my boyfriend, and then sleeping around with anyone who showed interest to fill the hurt I couldn't mask. The damage was done, and at that time in my life, I thought he ruined me. And I hated myself for doing this to him, but he made me this way. So, fast forward a couple of weeks. I was walking to my boyfriend's house from where I was staying, which is about a 10-minute walk. There's a school across the street from me, and I saw a car parked and a good-looking guy sitting in the driver's seat, and he waves me over. Stupid me, who would take attention from anyone, thought, well, I need to be on that side of the street anyway. Let's see what this guy is up to. So I cross the street and I walk up to his car. First dumb decision. We chat, and he tells me I'm pretty. Why don't you come in and hang out for a minute? Second dumb decision. He looks well into his 30s, but he seems approachable, so I'm not scared. Yet. He proceeds to compliment me and ask me where I'm going, if I have a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. I say yes, that's actually where I'm headed. 
And that's when his demeanor changed. He started to get handsy and ask me if I'd ever star in a movie. Now I'm panicking. I say, what kind of movie? He says, well, you have a tight body and I know how we could make some good money together. Why don't you come back to my place? I have a camera all set up. I have liquor and some pills. We'll have a great time. And here was my third dumb decision. Not getting out of the car immediately. Instead, I tell him that's not really my thing. I then get a text from my boyfriend asking what's taking so long. That's when he starts his car. I have never been so fucking scared in my life. I tell him quietly I need to get out of the car, but he proceeds to start driving out of the parking lot and now I'm shitting bricks. I can tell from the direction he's going that he's headed for the highway. My brain was screaming, fucking do something right now or you're fucked. This guy's taking you to God knows where. So this guy's driving down the street and at this point, I can see the turnoff to the highway and I'm telling him to stop the damn car. I need to get out. He says everything's fine. I'm going to have a great time. Don't worry. So I do the only thing I can do at this point. I open the car door as he's driving down the street. When he notices me doing this, he slows down the car, trying to get me to stay, but I jumped out and ran so fucking fast and didn't look back. As I'm running, I hear the car peel off down the street. And moments later, who shows up? My boyfriend. He was worried about me because I should have been at his place 20 minutes ago, and he had a bad feeling. What are the chances of him even finding me? So I gave him a different version of what just happened. One, because I was so fucking embarrassed that I had done something so stupid. And two, I couldn't tell him I was chatting to some random guy. Anyway, I was beyond relieved to see my boyfriend and amazed at his impeccable intuition. I never told anybody about this incident. Although I should have, but I was just so embarrassed. Now, I'm a mom of two young girls, and I will do everything in my power to make sure that they don't make the dangerous choices I have in the past. Are you terrified yet? You will be. Next up is an email submission from JW, featuring voice work by Tom Aglio, and we try to sort out the glowing red eyes. This is a little lengthy and confusing, but as a recent listener, an episode of Creature in the Woods involving a potential Wendigo led me to write this email. I've only told a few people about my experiences, and honestly, I don't expect anyone to believe me. If other people hadn't experienced these things with me, I'd probably think I'm completely insane. But this is all true and real. I'm from a small rural area in northern Pennsylvania, surrounded by forests and mountains, and lived there till I was around 23, I'm now 32, and live hundreds of miles away. Now, before I tell you what sparked my email today, I need to tell you that I've had a lot, a lot of experiences in my life with what I would call ooky, spooky stuff. So I'm not a person who's easily spooked. I'd grown up with this dark mass that tormented me for years. In fact, till I moved to my 20, it would choke me in the middle of the night, slam things, hide things, and overall just take advantage of any situation it could to mess with me. But those are stories for another day. 
I just needed to establish that I'm a believer and not easily spooked. This specific instance occurred when I was 20. My ex-boyfriend, Al, we'll call him, and I were doing a delivery type job to help our landlord would graciously let us take over the second story apartment of her home in return for cheap rent and to do her overnight delivery job for her a few times a week. We delivered to the same houses along the same route every night and she gave us gas money, so we said sure. It was the beginning of the recession and work was hard to find, especially in the middle of nowhere for a gay guy. We had been doing the job for around two months and the delivery route took us all over the surrounding towns from the middle of the night to just before dawn. As I mentioned, the area is densely forested and incredibly hilly, so it's common to see wildlife all over the place. Usually deer, raccoons, bobcats, and the occasional bear, but having grown up here, we had seen every type of creature you'd expect in the area and are able to identify them very easily due to this. This night, and I'll never forget these details as long as I live, was a cooler night in the spring. It had been an unseasonably warm day, so it was somewhat foggy the whole night we were delivering. The stars and moon were visible, but I won't pretend to know if the moon was full. That's just too much detail to retain. But I do know it was large enough to cast light bright enough to see way, way ahead of you even with the fog. This is important. We were driving up a large hill jetting out from a mountain range that surrounded the little town we were delivering in. The driveway is just dirt and gravel and we're climbing up pretty quickly in my crappy 90s minivan we used to deliver with. The hill was largely open, just grass and a few older homes, country farmhouse types, that line the edge of the forest on the mountain. So visibility was not an issue for us coming up to the house as there was little blocking our line of sight to the house, and the fog had stopped about halfway up the large hill, just setting the scene. We pull into the location we've delivered to a dozen times before. The house has a patio with latisse and screening where we leave the delivery that's directly off the driveway, but requires you to get out and physically open the wooden screen door you expect on every charming country home. The next part takes place over the span of three to five minutes. We did not stick around long. As we turn into the parking spot, we both simultaneously catch something shiny and reflective we don't first recognize but can't stop staring at. As we stop moving, completing the turn, it dawns on us that we're looking at eyes, and they're looking back at us. The bush our inquisitive staring new friend is hiding in is one of the larger flowering kind like a rhododendron or a hydrangea that had been there for a long time. I know this because it was enormous and much taller slash wider than my 1993 Mercury Villager. First thing, the eyes are closer to the top of the bush, not the middle or bottom like you'd expect with a deer or other local wildlife, but the top. I'm about six feet tall, not a small dude, and that bush was at least two feet over my head. Second thing, the eyes were shiny gold, like a dog's or a cat's in the daylight, but did not reflect the light back like a dog's or cat's with that creepy glowing night vision you expect. Nor was there any whites of the eyes visible, even with my high beams. That immediately gave me chills up my spine, because the only local creature tall enough to be peering out from that part of the bush would be a bear, and these were not bear eyes. Bear eyes glow in the flash of light just like a cat's or dog's, and as I said, these were not flashing back with that creepy night vision glow you expect from wildlife. I also don't know how to explain this, as they seem to just be floating in a bush, but they seem sunken, not flush with the face. You could just barely make out darker blackness around the eyes, as if they were peering out from sockets. Third thing, the last notable thing about these eyes were the intent. Growing up in the area, having encountered every creature you can imagine, and being a pet person, I know what it's like looking into animals' eyes. These knew and hated. They bore into your soul like an icicle falling from a great height and just stabbing you to your core. They just calmly looked for me, then to my ex, not blinking, squinting in the light, or breaking intense eye contact. We're sitting there in our respective seats, totally frozen with fear, and 
barely speaking as this thing stares back at us from maybe 10 feet in front of us. No discernible outline in the bush, but you can tell it's standing as it sways a little left and right, like a human standing waiting for someone who just walked upstairs and is breathing a little heavy. Not like an animal on its hind legs trying to keep balance, back and forth with every breath it took, just glaring back at us with malice. You could feel its gaze creeping all over your body and almost penetrating you to the core, violating you. But it didn't move or even blink at the cloud of dust that was wafting past us as we'd only just stopped driving. Nor did it wince or blink at the high beams in its face. As we sat there for what must have been about a minute, we agreed that we need to drop the delivery and get the fudge out of there. But neither of us wants to exit the vehicle. We decide to partially roll down the vehicle and toss the delivery near the door. Gently, I press the button and slowly let the glass down enough for Al to throw out the delivery, never breaking eye contact with our friend, who's still glaring and looking between us. The second the package was released, I shifted into R and began rolling up the window, backed around the side of the house and drove back down the hill home, never breaking eye contact with it till it was out of sight. The last glimpse, the thing that I'll never, ever forget about this day till the day I die was its eyes and the taillights. They were at the same height they had been in the bushes, but now closer to the door of the house where we had just been. Reddish orange in the taillights, but still not reflecting light back like a real animal. They were hovering in a black mass that was standing beside the porch, towering over and above the top of the screen door. Above the screen door. My ex and I didn't speak of it again while we were together after that, but recently I had a nightmare about the eyes, and I reached out to him just to see if I had maybe exaggerated it. Sadly, that was not the case. He remembered it just as vividly as I did, and it made his hair stand on end just like mine. I'm not certain if I felt hunted or just unwanted, but I do know I've never felt that threatened and hated in my life. Those eyes were full of intelligence, hatred, and maybe even hunger. I don't know if I'll ever know what it really was, but a story on your podcast about, I think, Ethan encountering a possible Wendigo reminded me of this. After hearing it, I googled Wendigo eyes. Believe me when I say the blood drained from my body after seeing the images. A link is shown in the notes. Thanks for the great podcast, and if I, I get more ambitious, I'll write up some of my other experiences. Disturbed is brought to you by a new sponsor to the show, and that is Native. And to put it simply, what Native does is make safe, simple, effective products that people use every day with trusted ingredients and performance. Now, I didn't want to be the one to tell you, but you need deodorant. We all do. But the thing is, you need to know what you're using, and that's what Native is all about. Native deodorant is made with ingredients that you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. And let's be real, you wear deodorant every day, hopefully. So shouldn't you know what's in it? Well, here you go. Native has fewer, simpler ingredients so you know everything that's in your deodorant. Now, I have to be really careful because apparently I'm sensitive when it comes to deodorant. There's certain ones out there that I just can't use. I'll actually get a rash. And I was really happy to see that Native has sensitive options that are aluminum and baking soda free. Great for sensitive people like me. And making the switch does not mean sacrificing on performance. Native keeps you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Aside from the sensitive options, Native has over 10 different great scents, so you're guaranteed to find one that you love. Classics include coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, and citrus and herbal musk. So many great options to try out. 
And how about this gift idea? Their holiday-scented lineup of candy cane, sugar cookie, and fresh mistletoe for a limited time would make a great stocking stuffer. Sugar cookie is definitely on my list to try out as well as some of their body wash. So stay merry, happy, and fresh this holiday season. You'll love Native's limited time seasonal products. Get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeo.com disturbed or using promo code disturbed at checkout. That's nativedeo.com disturbed or using promo code disturbed at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. And as always, supporting our sponsors helps support the podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the deliciously frightful. And finally, we get to an email submission from Sophia, featuring voice work by Nicole Doolin. And we come face to face with the subway stranger. This is not my story. It happened to my best friend while visiting Mexico City. I feel I should start by giving a bit of context on what type of person my friend is. She's a bubbly, outgoing person that loves traveling. She's the kind of person that can strike up a conversation with anyone on the bus or at the supermarket line. She's happy and friendly to everybody and has no street smarts whatsoever. Being who she is, she always assumes the best and expects everybody to be nice to her. Unfortunately, we know that not everyone is like that. There are some people that take advantage of the good nature of the ones like my friend. Besides being a good-natured person, she is a very spiritual person and totally believes in energies, ghosts, entities, souls, premonitions, and all types of related magic. Which is why she has her go-to witch who does palm and card readings for her. She's a nice woman, as far as I know, and as far as I'm concerned, she just tells people what they want to hear to make them feel better. But hey, to each their own. This is relevant to the story. We will get back to it later. Anyway, what I'm about to tell you happened to my friend while on vacation in Mexico City. She was traveling alone, and it was not her first time there. This visit was all about finding hidden gems, away from the tourist traps that everybody already knows. So she was out all day visiting new places and having a great time. But it took her longer than expected to tick all the activities on her list. So by the time she headed back to her hotel, it was already late. I mean about 11 or 12 a.m. She decided to take the subway as it would take her almost to the hotel's doors and started walking towards the platform. She checked the schedule and made sure she was on the right train and stepped in. In the train, there were only two people. A man that was wearing a suit that looked like somebody who has been working late at a solicitor's or accountant's office, and another, younger guy who really gave my friend the creeps. You know the type. Hard features on his face, menacing posture, 
following everything and everyone with his eyes. So my friend decided to sit away from the sky and closer to the one in the suit. She was on one side of the wagon and the unsettling-looking guy on the opposite side, and she could feel him staring at her, like he was studying her. This made her feel very uncomfortable, and she moved a little bit so that the body of the man in the suit would block the other guy's view, and he could not stare directly at her. The train stopped at a few stations, and my friend was feeling more and more anxious by the second, until they got to a station where the guy in the suit got off, and it was just her and the other guy. She started panicking when she noticed he wouldn't take his eyes off of her. She was sure he was up to no good. So, she suddenly jumped out and started running down a hallway. She turned back to check on the guy, and she saw how he wasn't expecting her to do that, and that he was really angry. He even yelled shit. That confirmed my friend's suspicions that he was planning to do something to her. She didn't expect the guy to follow her, but to her horror, when she turned again to check on him, he had started running towards her. The only thing she could do was to keep running. There was nobody around the station, no police, no passengers, just her and the guy running after her. She then got to a bend on the road. They were still inside the station, and now the hallway divided into two exits, so she had a chance to lose the guy right after taking the bend, as he would lose sight of her for a moment until he caught up. If she went one way and he went the other, she would lose him. She didn't know which way to go. Both ways looked dark, and she didn't know which one would take her out of the station. So she just decided, left, and continued running in that direction. After a few meters, she saw a vending machine and she decided to jump behind it. She was pressing herself against the wall, trying to make herself invisible and praying that the guy wouldn't turn left. She could see him from where she was and she said she saw him get to the fork, stop for a moment, curse himself and continue, but this time walking towards the right. My friend realized that this was her chance to get rid of him and without thinking about it too much, she started running back to the train. To her horror, she could hear the steps of the guy behind her, running towards her. She got to the train just in time to get in before the doors closed. When she turned, she could see the guy stomping his fists against the closed door and looking at her with pure anger in his eyes. She was safe but absolutely terrified. When she was back home after her trip, she was telling me the story as I was really scared for her and so grateful that she was lucky enough to make the right decisions at the right times. And then it clicked. I remembered that right before her trip, she had visited her witch friend to ask about the trip and other stuff, and that she had told me what the witch said to her. When my friend asked the witch to interpret a weird dream she had a few nights back, this is what the witch said. The bad man is waiting. When you get in, he will choose his prey. Run away. Take the left and have faith. At the time, neither my friend nor the witch, much less myself, knew what it meant. But as she was telling me the story of the subway, all this started to make sense. I don't know if I was reading too much into something that had no sense at all, but it certainly sounds like a warning. In the end, she was able to get out of a very scary situation, and we are both glad it turned out that way. 
So, to the guy who terrorized my friend on Mexico City's subway, let's not meet. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. If you'd like to get your story on the show, we have several different submission options available, and you can find them all at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And a shout out to all of our newest supporters, Chantel Larson, Tori Rushing, Kimbers, Danielle Broad, Alexa Burdick, Matthew Coger, Gypsy Stightly, Kate Bennett, and Matt Paul. Thanks everyone so much for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs>